Welcome to RVR's Life After Camp podcast. Learn about the camp and retreat ministries of RVR at rivervalleyranch.com. Enjoy. Come on, how cool is that? Thank you. I get the awkward privilege of trying to follow that. And uh, I'm going to do my best. Thanks. That was awesome. Um, yeah, I don't even know where to go. Uh, I guess the first page of my notes, right? Hey, let's pray. Um, man, that, that was awesome. God, we thank you so much for taking our place, for dying a death that we deserve so we could spend eternity with you. God, I pray uh, throughout the remainder of this evening that you would continue to speak to our hearts, that you would break chains, that you would remove distraction. God, that you would break through the barriers that we have built. I pray for cold hearts that they would soften in Jesus' name. I pray for for minds that have been turned off, that they would be opened up to, to who you are in Jesus' name. And I pray, God, that lives will change, not because of anything that I say, but everything that you are, and that you say through me this evening. Thank you for your love. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody say amen. amen. Awesome, awesome. I hope that you've had a great day. Today, it was so fun to just kind of walk around, and um, people kept asking me, are you going to get on that zip line? And I said, heck no. Okay, first of all, me and gravity were friends, and God made gravity for a reason, and my feet are supposed to stay on the ground, and so I will not do that. I also had uh, people ask me if I was going to ride a horse, and um, no, I'm not riding a horse either. I, I went on a mission trip to Ecuador uh, with, with a youth group a few years ago. And uh, they decided it would be a good idea to do horseback riding through the mountains in Ecuador. I said, oh, that's, this is going to be a great experience. I've never ridden a horse really before. And I got on the horse, and that horse didn't like me. I didn't like him. Uh, he spoke Spanish. I didn't. And, uh, and no one taught me how to ride a horse. And so I get on this thing, and this horse takes off, like, through these roads. I'm, I'm, it's on video. It's awkward. I'm, I'm literally I'm screaming for help. And no one tells me how to ride a horse. This is not my notes, and I have to have limited time. I don't know why I'm doing this, but it's a funny story. And uh, it's funny now. It wasn't at the time. But I'm yanking up on this horse, and apparently you're not supposed to do that. And this horse was bucking. It was angry, and so I vowed I will never ride a horse again because I don't trust them, and they're bigger than I am. Anyway, I hope you had a great day for those of you that rode horses and did zip lines and shot arrows of stuff and shot each other with uh, paint. I just, yeah, you know, that's just not for me. I'm just, I'll just watch. I'll, I'll, you, you do that. Awesome. So far this weekend, we've learned about the bigness of God. We've learned about the sovereignty of God. We learned that God is a comforter. God will never waste a hurt in your life. And I want to say this, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and a release from darkness for the prisoners to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise 
instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. And tonight I want to talk to you about beauty from ashes. This verse says a, that God wants to give us a crown of beauty instead of ashes, uh, a joy instead of mourning, garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. I said this early this morning, but I, I work for the U.S. Army. That's, that's my, my profession. That's my career. I work for the Army. And, and one of my jobs is, one of my biggest responsibilities is I negotiate on behalf of the government. So if the government wants to buy something, I am the one that is negotiating between the government, for the government, and the, the vendor, the contractor that is supplying the service or, or the supply, right? My goal in doing so is, is I want to save the government as much money as I possibly can, right? If you were negotiating the purchase of a car, you would probably want to pay the lowest amount for that car for the highest quality of car, right? It's, it's, it's a no-brainer. You want to spend the less amount of money for the best amount of things. Two parties, one wants to buy, one wants to sell, each having their best-case scenario in mind. If you give me this, then I'll give you that, right? There was a guy named uh, Kyle McDonald, and he started this neat experiment. He, he created this thing called Bigger and Better, and he had, he had a red paperclip. Just a simple red paper clip, and, and he wanted to see if anybody would trade him something bigger and better for his red paper clip. So he went on Craigslist, and he put on, on Craigslist, does anybody want to trade with me for my red paper clip? He just said, Let, let's see what I can figure out. Let's see, what, let's see what I can get. A few days later, someone comments, hey, I will trade for your red paper clip. I have a, a fish pen. And I will trade you for your paperclip. So Kyle's like, oh, someone wants my paperclip. Awesome. So he gets this fish pen. So he wants to go further. He, so he's, he puts it on Craigslist again. Who wants to trade with me for my fish pen, right? A few days later, sure enough, someone came back and said, hey, I will trade you a weird-looking doorknob for your fish pen. He's like, all right, this is going somewhere. And so he gets excited. So he, he puts the doorknob on Craigslist. And then he decided, or someone wrote back to him and said, hey, I'll actually trade you a camping stove for that doorknob because I have a need for that doorknob. So they traded him a camping stove, which led to a generator. And 10 trades later, Kyle McDonald receives keys to a house. In order to get the house, he traded a paid role in a movie, all from a red paperclip. This is a true story. You can look it up. Comic down. It's on TED. It's awesome. The interesting thing about this story, some of you right now are like, what do I have in my pockets that I can go ahead and put on Craigslist? Because I need me a house, somebody, right? Anyway. The interesting thing about this story is that both sides benefited from the trade. There, there was a need. Somebody had a need to get rid of. Someone had a need to obtain. There, there was a mutual benefit from this trade. Each person's life improved with the deal they got. But then I look at, at this verse in Isaiah, and I see that God is in the business of negotiating. God is in the business of trading. But here's what I find. 
with the standard that we put on trading and negotiating, God isn't that great of a negotiator with the standard that we have on trading. The verse says that he would give beauty, he would give us beauty, and we would trade him ashes, right? Like, that, that, that deal doesn't make sense to me. To, to, to my earthly understanding, that, that's not a, a good deal, right? God's not getting the best out of that, right? But that's who God is. And sometimes it doesn't make sense, but remember, God is in control and he writes the rules. So tonight I want to talk to you about one of my favorite people in the Bible, and that, that is the, the, the guy David. David was this little shepherd boy. You probably heard a story. He was overlooked by his own father, and he was anointed to be the next king of Israel. He had the bravery and the courage to defeat a giant named Goliath. He showed us his loyalty and his honor with his, his friend Jonathan and the way that he honored King Saul. And the Bible said that David was a man after God's own heart. And if you read short enough into a story, right, right after he gets anointed king, after he kills Goliath, you would think that his life is seemingly perfect, like David could do no wrong. You would think that, man, like, he's got his life together. He's got his priorities in order. He, he's got it going. And you might be thinking, wow, it's really hard to live up to that kind of standard that David set early on. It could be, it, it would be really hard to try to live up to the life, the, 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 so the quote-unquote perfection that David was living up to that point, right? I, I feel like that can happen with the, with the people around us. In this age of social media where everything is online and everything is about how many shares, how many followers, how many likes, how many clicks that you can get, right? We, we tend to feel like there, there's a standard at which we should be operating because of the number of shares and followers that we want to achieve. And we can, we can start to compare ourselves to other people and say, man, they, they really have it all together. I, I really want to be like that. They post perfect Instagram pictures. They always look good, and it looks like nothing is imperfect in their life, right? Does anybody feel that way sometimes, where you just feel like there are people who are just competing? Okay, one person. I'm going to talk to you for the rest of tonight. I'm kidding. Kind of like this, like kid, kids on Instagram. Like here, here's a picture of like, like that, that's, that's like a what you'd want. I would want my kid to eat like that, but like here, here's reality. Check out reality. Like that's that's reality. Or, or check, check out this one. Like, brother and sister in their underwear. Well, that's weird. But having a, good, having a good time. But, like, this is reality. A kid with a machete getting ready to decapitate his sister. Or maybe, like, this last one. I'm not going to talk about the fact that this boy's putting on makeup. That's for a different topic at a different time. But, hey, he, that's a cute picture. But this is reality. A baby eating a tampon. Like that, that's just, like that, that's what I'm talking about of like, they, some of you are, that's the only thing you're going to remember about tonight, and I pray that that's not true. All right, thank God the picture's gone. David is this man of integrity, this man of character. He was anointed, listen to this, he, he was anointed to be the next king at 15 years old. And finally, after 15 more years, he, he becomes king, and he's as popular as ever. He's loved, he's respected, he's successful, and battles life is good. But then David had a moment. The Bible says that one day when 
David's men were at war. It was, it was the time of year where the king should have been at war, but David decided that he was going to stay back. His men were off at war. He decided to stay home. He was hanging out on the roof of his palace, and he spots this woman named Bathsheba. She was bathing. She was naked, and he said, hey, that looks good to me. And so he says, hey, guards, go, go down and, and find out who she is and bring her to me. And so the guards did as, as David said, and they brought this woman to David. Long story short, David sleeps with her, and she becomes pregnant. Right away, you can see that David got complacent. David was supposed to be at war. David was supposed to be in the battle, and he said, nah, I'm good. I'm just going to chill back. I need to sleep in. I got some Netflix I got to catch up on. Like, I need to, I'm just going to hang out here. But I think this is my favorite part of David's story. I love that he was faithful. I love that he killed Goliath. I love that he was loyal. He showed honor to King Saul. I love all of that. But I don't know about you, but this is the part that I can really relate to David. David screwed up. David messed up. He made a mistake. He had lived this relatively perfect life up until now. So many of us see people and say, man, I, I wish I could be like them. I, I wish my life was like theirs. Can I just tell you what you're seeing online is just the highlight reel of their life? It's just what they want you to see. They are just as jacked up as you are. They are just as messed up as you are. It's what they want you to see. And we can get stuck in this comparison of, oh, I have to meet this standard. I have, to, I have to try to post this picture. My life has to be this way. I have to look this way, right? We can't get stuck in this comparison. And their life may look nice on social media, but all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Even David, a man after God's own heart. We all have messed up. And what David did was after, after he messed up, this woman Bathsheba he found out was married to one of his men, a top-ranking official in his, in, his, in his army. And he did what all of us would do if we made a mistake. We, we would try to cover it up. We would lie. We would try to protect ourselves, protect our reputation. And that's exactly what David did. David tried time and time again to cover up his mistake, right? He tries multiple times to have this man, Uriah, go home and sleep with his wife. Because if he did that, then, then Uriah would think that the baby was his. He tried to entice me. He tried to even get him drunk to say, hey, go home. Be with your wife. Do whatever you want to do, right? He was so desperate. But Uriah just wouldn't go for it. Uriah wouldn't go for it. David was so desperate to not get caught that he actually got Uriah killed. And you can see in 2 Samuel chapter 11, it says this, but the thing David had done displeased the Lord. David thought he was good. I'm sure, I'm sure after Uriah was killed, he took a deep breath saying, ah, finally, it's over. I don't have to try to cover it up anymore. But God knew that David was better than that. So God sends the prophet Nathan, and the prophet Nathan calls out David, and in that moment, David recognizes the mistake that he made, and God, through Nathan, starts telling David about all that God did for David, and how David allowed this evil, this sin, this, this ash, this darkness in his heart, and so David understood the mistake he made, and 
he repented. And I love the Bible because we get a glimpse into his heart immediately after this happened. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Psalm 51 or just follow along on the screen. In full humility, David writes these words, right? And I cherry-picked this scripture and kind of put a few verses together. But David says this in his moment of weakness. Have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love, because of your great compassion. Blot out the stain of my sins. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. You do not desire sacrifice or I would offer one. You do not want a burnt offering. Catch this. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O oh God. David understands what he did, and he asks for forgiveness, and God forgives him. But here's the thing. David still needed to face some consequences. God can forgive your sin. God can make beauty from your ashes. But just because he can forgive your sin, just because he can make the beauty from your ashes, doesn't mean that you wouldn't face earthly consequence. God said that because of David's sin, the baby that was born to he and Bathsheba would have to die. The baby becomes sick. David is heartbroken. He's depressed. He's not eating. He's not bathing. He's grieving deeply. And then he gets word that the baby dies. But check out his response. 2 Samuel 12, verse 20. Then David got up from the ground after he had washed put on lotions and changed his clothes. He went to the house of the Lord and worshiped. David's son dies, and the first thing he does is worship. Notice David doesn't throw things. He doesn't cry out in anger. He, he doesn't go on social media and rant about his life. He, 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 doesn't, he doesn't go on an angry spree and kill people. He doesn't curse God. He doesn't question he doesn't doubt. He goes into the house of the Lord and he worships. He gets into the presence of God. He, he runs into the arms of his father and in the midst of his pain, in the midst of his heartache, in the midst of the sin that he knew he committed, he lifts his hands in surrender. Just like Liberty said during worship, raising our hands, can I just tell you, if you go to any country and you were to point a gun at somebody, guess what they're all going to do? It is the universal sign of surrender. Anybody knows that this means surrender. And when we lift our hands in worship, it's not just a thing that charismatic churches do. No, it is a thing to say, God, I surrender everything to your will. I surrender my life. I surrender my desires. I surrender it all because it's not up to me holding it anymore. God, I surrender it to you. That's why we lift our hands, and that's exactly what David did. He lifts his hands in surrender, and he worships God, not because he felt like he had to, but because he knew that he needed to. He chose to believe that even when life wasn't good, God was good. Like I said earlier, God will make beauty from your ashes, but did you know that you can too? 
You can make beauty from your sin in the way that you worship. When you worship, you give God glory, and I'm telling you that is beautiful. When you recognize that, yes, you're not worthy, but God is worthy, there's a thing that you can do where you worship in the midst of your trial, in the midst of your sin, in the midst of your darkness, and you can also make beauty from your ashes. Worship is a weapon. Worship is a weapon. If you're taking notes, write that down. Worship is a weapon. Dylan, you can come help me out as I close. When things happen in your life that you don't understand, worship. When life hits you hard, worship. When you experience loss, worship. When you don't feel like getting out of bed, worship. When you don't feel God, worship. When you don't know who you are, worship. When you keep making the same mistakes over and over and over again, worship, not because you have to, but because you know that you need to. Our worship is warfare. Our worship is a weapon. God wasn't done with David. God then blessed David with another son, Solomon, who became the wisest man to ever live in so many people think that when we sin, when we make a mistake, when, when we have these bad decisions, we feel like there's, there's no, no more way that God can use us. There, there's, there's no other way. We're unusable because we messed up. This morning we talked about how God wants your pain. Did you know that God also wants your sin? He died for it. God wants your darkness. God wants the ashes of your life. This is the trade. This is the negotiation. Give me your sin and I will give you life. Give me your darkness and I will give you light. God wants your sin because he knows that he will be glorified because of it. Listen, God will never write you off. God will never throw you out because you made a mistake. And this is what you need to understand. You can Write this down. There is no sin too great that God cannot forgive. There is no darkness too dark that God cannot redeem. No sin too great that God cannot forgive. All God wants is a humble heart. And he will use your sin for his glory. You have a porn addiction? God wants to free you from that tonight. Can I tell you something? I know I'm going over, forgive me. I am a living testament to the power of the Holy Spirit that you can be free from pornography. It can happen because it's happened for me. You consistently run from God. God wants to draw you close so that you can share about his love with other people around you. You are never too far from the love of God And all God wants is for you to run to him with all of your junk, with all of your sin, with all of your mistakes. What am I trying to say? You can write this down. Failure isn't final. Failure isn't final. And when you humble yourself, you recognize the ashes in your life. You understand that God wants your junk and he will give you beauty. He will give you 
joy. He will give you that garment of praise. David made a mistake. He sinned, but he didn't let this mistake define who he was. And he traded this beauty for ashes. This is, I think this is my favorite part. Look at Matthew 1, verse 1. This is the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David. Do you understand? This, this king, this man after God's own heart, who made a mistake that could have easily thrown him out, this mistake that could have easily taken him out, God chose to use this very sinner to bring Jesus to the world. Because of who David was, God chose to bring salvation through David. Maybe you're here tonight and you just need forgiveness. Maybe life has been hard and your response needs to be worship. But when it comes to trading with God, God trades on his own terms and he has one rule. And that one rule is he wants it all. That's it. No other terms, no other conditions. He wants it all. He wants your life. He wants your hopes. He wants your dreams. He wants your future. He wants your desires. He wants your sin, your past, your shame, your hurt, your rejection. The joy, he wants it all. So what do we do? You, you've seen it perfectly depicted. You've seen in the stories from this morning and this evening that God is in the business of redemption. God is in the business of restoration. God loves to put things back to the way that they were intended to be. And this, the, tonight, God wants to restore you. He wants to bring you back to that place that he created you to be. So here's what I want to do. I want to pray. And I want this to be the moment Maybe, maybe you, this is your first time to RVR. Maybe this is your first time to hear about this man named Jesus. I want to give you an opportunity to surrender it all tonight. Maybe you've been going to church for a long time and you've been distant. It's become routine. God's been second fiddle. God's been put on the back burner. Maybe tonight's the night you recommit your life to Jesus. Maybe tonight is the night that heaven rejoices because someone comes back to the Lord. So here's what, every head bowed, every eye closed. Come on, this is, this is the moment. Let's get real tonight. Again, I apologize for going over my time, but I feel like this is a moment that needs to take some time because decisions are on the line. Eternity is at stake. Eternity is at stake. If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved. So if you know that your relationship with God is not where you know it needs to be, can you just repeat in your heart, out loud, out loud or in your heart with me, Jesus, I, I know I'm a sinner. I know I make mistakes. And God, sometimes I feel like I'm worthless. God, in this moment tonight, 
On February 23rd, 2019, God, I ask that you come back into my life. I, I pray, God, that you make me new. God, I pray that you remove my shame, remove my past. God, would you fill me with your love? I believe, God, that you died on the cross for my sins. I believe that you rose again in victory so that I could spend eternity with you. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. I come back home. I am back into your family. God, I love you. I surrender it all to you. In Jesus' name. Come on, if you prayed that prayer, will you just shoot your hand up in the air? Come on, raise your hand. If, if you pray that prayer, listen, I want you to look around. Keep your head up. Look around. Keep your, open your eyes and look around. Come on, this is something to celebrate. Come on, give God a hand. I appreciate that applause, I do. But can I, just, can I just tell you, the people that were bold enough to raise their hand just either committed their life to Jesus or recommitted, and I think that's worth celebrating a whole lot more. So can we give it up for the people that have recommitted their life to Jesus? Hey, y'all, listen, this is a big deal. This is a big deal because eternity is at stake, and here's what I want you to do. Go into your small groups and tell your leaders about the decision that you just made. Tell your small group leaders that you, that you said, hey, I need Jesus back into my life, all right? Listen, go ahead and go into your small groups. I pray that this has been impactful for you. We love you guys. Have an amazing night. We'll see you back tomorrow. God bless y'all. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Live After Camp episode. Discover all of the year-round adventures at RVR and find out how you can support our ministry at rivervalleyranch.com. Thanks.